Welcome to the Back in Shape podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking all about piriformis syndrome, a diagnosis, or as I would like to think, perhaps a misdiagnosis that some of you will be all too familiar with. Essentially, it's going to be giving you pain down the leg, possibly from the hip, uh, or just into the leg and the lower leg, along the back of the thigh and calf, and sometimes into the foot as well. We're going to be unpacking exactly what this is, what it is supposed to be, what it actually is, and also towards the end of the podcast, we'll talk a little bit about what you can do as well to really help it, and why I think being diagnosed with piriformis syndrome has two two major drawbacks for you. As always, if you do find these podcasts helpful, please do consider sharing them, giving them a thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube, on the video version or on uh, Spotify. And if you're listening to this, then there will be, I think, a couple of demonstrations today that uh, you can perhaps catch up on later on video. So first and foremost, let's get on with what is piriformis syndrome? Well, Fundamentally, it is stating that the piriformis muscle, which we'll get into in a moment, is irritating the sciatic nerve as it passes out of the pelvic girdle. And just for demonstration, we've got the piriformis syndrome. Again, we'll get onto that in a moment. Coming here. And we have the sciatic nerve kind of piercing through and then going down the legs. You can see there, piercing through that muscle or between that muscle and another one of the lateral hip rotators and then going down the leg. And what we're suggesting is that for some unknown reason, that piriformis muscle, that one little muscle in amongst many other muscles, six to be precise, as well as underneath the glutes, that one muscle has randomly gone tight. And now it is compromising your sciatic nerve, a nerve that has been in its region for your entire life. And right now that is what is causing your lower back pain. You can see the way in which I'm talking about this is kind of a little bit dismissive. But hopefully it's even now is starting to get across to you the major flaws in being diagnosed with this particular condition. Something that we've mentioned in previous videos on our YouTube channel is muscle is not causing your back pain, or a muscle spasm is not causing your back pain. And in this case, we are hypothesizing that, again, for some reason, your piriformis is tight, contracted, stiff, injured, and it is causing your symptoms. Now, it's helpful if we take a step back and we take a, take a look at the lumbar spine to start with. So, the sciatic nerve, we won't get into too much, but essentially all of these little nerve roots that come out of the lower part of the lumbar spine and some of the sacrum down in the bottom here, those will join together to form the largest nerve in the body, the sciatic nerve. And quite often, in most of us, that will pass underneath the piriformis muscle as it leaves here. And it'll pass between the piriformis muscle, which is maybe my index finger, and another muscle just underneath to pop out of the pelvis and go down the back of the leg. Now, in some of us, we have an anatomical variation in that the sciatic nerve actually pierces the piriformis syndrome to go down the leg. But I will hasten to add that that anatomical variation will have been there your entire life, not just while you've had piriformis syndrome, all the symptoms that you've been suffering with at the moment. Now, it's also important to note that the lateral hip rotators, the obturator muscles, the gemelli, the piriformis, the glutes, glute max, mid, medius, are all going to be controlled in some part by the L5 and S1 spinal nerves. And these two spinal nerves are particularly vulnerable for those with injuries in the lower lumbar spine, L4, 5, and L5, S1. Those are the two segments, the last two segments in our lumbar spine, which commonly when injured can influence the L5 and S1 nerve roots, which will go on to control the piriformis as well as those other muscles that I mentioned. And when we're talking about piriformis, piriformis syndrome, you'll start to see that 
we're kind of going one step too far or one or not far enough in our diagnosis we're saying the pain's here and that's where it's coming from but we're not actually looking back to the common origin and understanding that muscles quite frankly do not get tight or go into spasm of their own accord and you might be thinking hey mike i understand that but maybe i injured my piriformis muscle and i would reply to that and say can you control your piriformis muscle can you contract your piriformis muscle how do you even know you're using your piriformis muscle is perhaps a valid question the fact of the matter is we can't we've got our massive glute max muscle working over the top of there and if we are to suggest that we've somehow only injured our piriformis i'd really worry how we've managed to get through that glute max and made it so that only one of those muscles could be injured it's just not the way the human body works we're smarter than that we're stronger than that invariably the cause of, which we'll get onto now, the cause of piriformis syndrome comes a little bit higher up. And it's helpful if we phrase piriformis syndrome slightly differently. Let us call it lumbogenic in so much as it's coming from the lumbar spine here, lumbogenic hip or leg pain. And that helps us immediately start to gain a better understanding of what the problem is. It is that when we have an injury in the lower lumbar spine, particularly one that affects the L5 and S1 nerve roots, which is very common, by the way, disc injuries commonly affecting L4, 5 disc and L5, S1 disc and segments in general. When we have an injury affecting those, we can get disturbances, dysfunctions along all of the structures that are controlled by those particular segments. That's why we often get pain down the length of the sciatic nerve when we have lumbar injuries. And we don't necessarily need to have back pain at the time. Often we will find cases of sciatica, which is closely re uh, related or linked to piriformis syndrome, that they often manifest first without any back pain really to speak of, maybe a minor ache, but nothing major compared to the burning pain that often is associated with sciatic nerve pain or piriformis syndrome for that matter. So it's important to understand how it is caused. And you might take a moment to step back and say, hey, look, I actually had a treatment and you know they pressed in with the elbow into my piriformis and it definitely was sore there. And I'd say, that's, that's fine. We're not disputing necessarily that there is dysfunction in the piriformis or that actually all of those muscles may well, including the hamstrings a little bit lower down, may well be influenced in a negative way. But it is, it is not that the piriformis has been spontaneously gone into contracture. It is often that the lower lumbar spine injury has been sending inappropriate signals to that piriformis. And by the way, all of those other muscles we mentioned, the glutes, the other lateral rotators, the hamstrings as well. And it is causing dysfunction in those muscles, which is contributing to the pain as well, making the lower back injury worse. Not necessarily lower back pain, but the lower back injury that is causing your pain, which is quote unquote piriformis syndrome, worse. If you've got signals, inappropriate signals going down to that piriformis muscle and the others, when you press on them, they are going to be sore. Quite frankly, if you press on anyone in that region, they're probably going to be sore anyway, because it's not particularly nice to have an elbow or a softball or a cricket ball pressed into that area. And often there seems to be this quite weird um, pursuit of the, 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 the right spot that's really, really painful when we press on it. And that isn't necessarily the smartest move because if we understand that piriformis syndrome is actually a lower back problem, 
problem and a problem that has often been dealt with poorly leading up to that diagnosis and almost we say well this must be piriformis syndrome because it hurts when you press here we're not really addressing the fact that those muscles are actually going to start to become dysfunctional and that leads me perfectly into the two big issues with a piriformis syndrome diagnosis the first being that we are really putting forwards the idea that it is actually a problem in the hips, it's a problem with the muscles. And we just don't get muscle problems. Muscles react, muscles go into spasm when they are told to by something, not of their own accord. And by assuming that piriformis syndrome is a problem with this tiny little piriformis muscle that you can't really use and you can barely stretch uh, in, in, in an isolated manner, um, by assuming that that is the problem, we are missing a trick. We are often disregarding that there is actually a lower back problem, which means we're not going to be more careful with our lumbar spine. We're not going to be doing any practices to improve the health of our lumbar spine. And on top of that, most of the work we're doing is to stretch the tightened muscle. And therefore that involves a lot of stretches like figure four stretch, maybe like some knee hugs, maybe like some other stretches in that region, which often involve, especially when we're not cautious of it or have no reason to be careful of, they involve the lumbar spine and doing more rounding, which if you've watched any of our information on the back of program watch any of our other podcasts where we talk about the causes of lower back pain you are clearly going to be making the causes of that lower back pain worse we have more than enough time in a day where we spend or that we spend flexing and rounding our lower back we do not need more time doing that so number one it is that we are not careful of our lower back when we have that piriformis syndrome diagnosis and we are just doing stretches that are not helping the underlying problem number two and perhaps more insidiously is if you've had low back pain for a long period of time, then you often, correctly, resign yourself to the fact that, well not resign yourself, but accept the fact that it's going to take a bit of time to turn this thing around. But if we're doing stretches as that take time to turn things around, then we're not going to be making any progress. And if you're not making any progress building strength, you're going to still be in pain, still be not using the body correctly, still be working to a faulty hypothesis, i.e. it's not actually the, the piriformis, it is the back that we should be worried about. But you're going to be wasting time not doing strengthening, which means you're not getting stronger, which often means you're actually getting weaker because you're doing less and less and less because the problem is getting worse and worse and worse and therefore we're missing out on the opportunity to get better. One thing is clear, the longer that the lower back pain or that a back injury has been present without getting better, the longer it takes to get better. Not only do you actually have the fact that the, the tissues just aren't healing properly, but you also have all of the movement patterns that you're getting more and more ingrained in. If you've ever had, uh, moving off on a slight tangent here, but if you've ever had a very, very severe episode of DOMS, particularly in your legs, that's delayed onset muscle soreness, uh, after training quite hard, sometimes you wonder, am I going to be able to walk normally again? You kind of almost forget after two or three days of having really, really stiff and sore legs if you're going to be able to move correctly because you just get so used to walking in a peculiar manner. Well, if you've had back pain or piriformis syndrome for a long period of time you start to move in different ways and those different ways which are not advantageous by the way start to reinforce bad patterns asymmetries dysfunctions in the body maybe even on the good side so to speak so it makes it harder to undo those so by not addressing the correct diagnosis you are allowing time to march on and bad patterns to get worse so what should you do to really fix your piriformis syndrome first re-diagnose reclassify it as a lumbogenic hip or leg pain problem. And therefore we want to treat the lumbar spine first. We want to focus on building core stability to our lumbar spine, protecting our lower lumbar spine, starting to understand that some of the things that we're doing on a daily basis may well be straining that lower back in an inappropriate manner. 
We want to, yes, get a little bit of flexibility through the hips, but for many of you with piriformis syndrome, you've done more than enough on that hip. You need to leave it well alone. Maybe you could do a little bit of light stretching like we talk about in phase one of the Back in Shape program to the good side, but certainly leave that piriformis and the poor glute that's probably been pummeled to, to, to death over the top of it, leave it well alone for at least a week or so and focus on that other work that I've just mentioned. Then you're going to start strengthening up both the hips, the core and the lower back muscles to start to build a bit of protection for that lower back. It's not a smooth road, it takes time, especially if you've had it for a long period of time and been doing incorrect activities for a long period of time. But in conjunction with strengthening those tissues up, the muscles of the lower limb, the lower back and the core, you also want to modify your activities on a daily basis. Understand that the way in which you get out of bed, for example, the way in which you get out of a chair, the way in which you go up and down the stairs, lift things, may well be inappropriate and need modification. And as you go through the strengthening process, you may also find that that piriformis and all the other muscles are probably a little bit weak and a little bit sore, and they will lag behind perhaps in the early stages. But with time, commitment, and persistence, you will start to even out any discrepancies left to right in terms of the strength and competence of those muscles. And as you're doing that, you will be protecting your lower back more and more, so it can finally start to go through the appropriate healing process down at that L45 and L5S1 area. And so, as that healing process takes place, there are less erroneous and unhelpful signals from the L5 and S1 nerve roots to the piriformis and other muscles in the region. So they stop getting as tight on a daily basis, stop getting as dysfunctional on a daily basis, and are allowed to start to function normally again with that correct stimulation from your exercises. And that is how you will start to move forwards, start to make progress with piriformis syndrome. Throw the diagnosis out the window and consider it differently and you will have much more success. Now I wanted to leave you guys on today's podcast with a little tongue-in-cheek thing to think about. Next time you go to the fridge, sounds a bit peculiar, sounds a little bit odd, but it's, it's an all too common activity, that elbow in the piriformis and, and really putting the whole body weight. So what I want you to do is think about that poor piriformis, it's getting inappropriate signals and the glute over the top, by the way, inappropriate signals from your L5S1 region where we've got an injury. And, and, and that's constantly going on, it's dysfunctional, it's trying its best, it's weaker than it should be because it hasn't been worked properly in a long time, it's just been stretched to kingdom come. And, in, and what I want you to do is put it on the kitchen counter. I want to get that elbow and I want you to dig on it for five minutes. Okay, You can maybe even stretch it out a little bit first like you would do. And then dig on it for five minutes. Put, put as much welly into it as you possibly can. And by pressing in there, you'll put a bit of stretch in the lower back. So that might be additionally helpful. And then have a look at that chicken breast and see if you think that will help the healing process. Or if you are pummeling the living daylights out of a muscle that is already hanging on for dear life and been overtreated, overworked, and fundamentally abused whilst it's at its downfall, whilst it's at its weakness. I know I'm saying it a bit of tension, you don't have to do that example, but just thinking and walking you through that particular example gives you hopefully an insight into maybe let's just leave that area alone for a bit of time, focus on the right area, and slowly, given our body time, it can do miraculous things. It is strong, it is robust, it just needs us to stop doing the wrong things for it and start giving it that support that it needs and the right direction. I do hope you found today's podcast not too controversial, but I hope it's made you think. And if you've got any questions or comments and you are watching this on YouTube in particular or viewing it on the website page, know that you can always post in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you guys and we're always interested in helping. I know for some of you guys, this is a, a real revelation 
revelation. It really does turn around the way in which you viewed this problem in the past. And, and no doubt there'll be some questions. And for all of those of you in our premium membership, please bring those questions to the Sunday live Q&A session. And we will be more than happy to help you guys better understand it, discuss it more, and really field your questions and any concerns that you've had over this diagnosis in the past. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for watching us and we will see you in the next episode of the Back in Shape podcast.